When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here, and a reunion of sorts as Chris Trapasso, the Prospect Podcast, and CBS Sports Draft Analyst returns. We've got a pair of Bumblebee microphones broadcasting this podcast here. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing really good, Matt, and maybe it's not the case for the Vikings and their fans, but hasn't it felt like this preseason is like a lot more exciting than other preseasons? I don't know if it's the rookie quarterbacks, or maybe just the fact that maybe we were ungrateful for the preseason in the past. The fact that we didn't have one last year and people were just waiting to see real football again. It feels like every game, like there's a must see player or it's just a lot more exciting even into like the second half than preseasons of the past. Okay. So we're looking at this from two very different perspectives because I covered a 33 to six and 12 to 10 game. So I'm glad that, yeah, I'm glad that you're having a lot of fun, (laughs) but (laughs) the other night, it was so bad in terms of entertainment value that not only were fans doing the wave, they were throwing their programs up in the air as they did the wave. And the big voice guy had to come on and say, Please do not throw your programs up in the air. I mean, (laughs) it has been a miserable experience for Vikings fans to watch these two games, but I have found myself seeking out other preseason games, and I don't remember doing that before. And I think it's just because, well, one, it's been a very, very long time since we've had a football game. That's always the case. But two, last year, the season was on ice. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Then all of a sudden, three weeks before, oh, you get to practice now and then games, just like that. There wasn't the hype and the ramp up. And I do think a huge part of it is how exciting it is when Zach Wilson comes in a football game. You want to see it, even though people will point out that Ryan Leaf once outplayed Peyton Manning in a preseason game. This is true. And uh, like I said, a lot more blowouts. Uh, I know the Vikings were on the wrong end of one. There's been a couple of like just complete one team taking another team behind the woodshed. When I don't, I feel like almost every preseason game in the past is a lot more like what like the Vikings Colts game. That's like 15 to 10. There's it's an offensive or a defensive struggle. The offenses can't really get going. So we've seen some more splash plays. I think this preseason because we didn't have one last year and there's a lot of opt out players. Uh, last year's rookies didn't get a full pre or any preseason and they got kind of an abridged offseason that the coaches are, are using this preseason for a little bit more than just, all right, let's get our conditioning up. They're using some plays that we'll ultimately see once the regular season starts. 
So uh, the reason that I wanted you to come on was not just to wax poetic about preseason football, uh, but to take the uh, what's the deal with your draft class survey, which I have created. There are five questions. One to five is the scale. Lower scores are better. Higher scores mean you may have blown it. I'll go through that in just a second. But um, I forced you to watch some Vikings preseason football before you came on. And I... Just give me give me a broad before we figure out numbers wise exactly how you feel about this. Um, you were very high on the Vikings draft class. I think they got A's and B's across the board. There are only a couple of analysts that I could think of that didn't love what they did. Um, how soon do you judge a draft class? Because every year somebody says it on the Internet. You can't judge a draft class for three years. That makes me a very smart Internet man. But uh, I think I think the reality is we're always judging draft classes. And so I wonder what you think about what you've seen versus what you expected to see so far from the Vikings rookies. Well, I definitely don't wait three full years. I think that is a, a thought process of yesteryear. Like no one's waiting three years anymore. If you're if your draft class, if you have to give it an incomplete grade by your third season if you're a head coach or a GM you're probably fired at that point you you need the results early on however and this will probably help Vikings fans feel a little better I don't completely bash a draft class or an individual player two games into a preseason I I, I do still think for as much as we're seeing more head coaches and offensive and defensive coordinators like run trick plays and blitz in the fourth quarter than we ever have I still think the game planning is not really there and it's not an entire playbook being thrown at these teams. Of course, a lot of starters are not playing, but the individuals I think, and that's why I think I like just in general, even in the past, like the preseason more than most. These are fifth and sixth and seventh rounders getting a lot of action, maybe a lot more action on the field than they ever will in the NFL. So it's fun to watch those guys after scouting them. And in general, as you're kind of alluding to, the Vikings draft class has not exactly gotten off to a stellar start. So we'll get into the numbers and it's going to be fun to quantify this, but some red flags have began to be uh, raised a little bit with uh, these rookies and through two exhibition games. Yeah, I would uh, absolutely agree. So here's how it works. Five questions. You're going to give a one to five. One is if you are, let me get this straight in my brain before I say it out loud, because I've messed this up before when I've tried to do the same thing. Uh, okay. So one is when I ask you the first question, it would be like, not at all, or five would be a lot. That kind of makes sense to you, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So the under, if you end up with under 10, it means you're not concerned at all about the Vikings draft class. If it's 10 to 15, it's a little concern. 15 to 20, yikes, this isn't going good. And 20 plus is you blew the draft. I think that's how this turns out. And if I totally screw it up, we'll at least have good conversations along the way. Okay. So the first question is, how worried are you about Christian Derisaw? One to five, five being the most worried, one not being worried at all. Probably a three. I think the fact that he is a rookie and I always talk about with blockers and actually you tweeted out, I think early last week that Wyatt Davis uh, said to you about that. He realized everyone in the NFL is either as strong as you or stronger. Most of the defensive linemen are stronger than you. And when you're someone like Christian Derrissaw, 
you just don't have those reps and you haven't been able to be on the field to get NFL strong and to realize like Wyatt Davis came out and said how strong everyone is. I, I, it's not at a four or a five because I think Darisaw was one of the more uh, NFL ready tackles in the entire class. He has the size, he has the length. I remember being on this podcast and I think it is introductory press conference. You told me that he looks like an NFL left tackle. He's not huge. Yes. Undersized, short arms, tiny shoulders. He's a big dude. He's very athletic. Uh, So he has that combination that I think fits so well with what the Vikings want to do, especially in their run game. And then of course, everything branches off their run game in that offense, all the play actions, all the bootlegs. So a little bit concerning because I think once he does get onto the football field, He'll be able to match the speedy edge rushers, the athletic types, but the scouting report from defensive coordinators with their defensive linemen will be bull rush him. Use your power because this guy hasn't felt that yet. So that's why there is reason to be concerned. I don't think we can say, or I don't want to say that his rookie year is going to be a complete wash at this point, but it's concerning because he needs to deal with that power to understand uh, how to sink his hips and to bend at the knees and deal with that power because the athleticism is not a concern. It's always a concern in the strength department for like 99% of offensive linemen, regardless of if they're a first round pick, second, third rounder, doesn't matter. To get NFL strong takes time and takes experience on a pro football field. Right. I think that it's a little less. I'm going to go with two because I don't know that he was winning this job out of camp anyway versus Rashad Hill that has a lot of experience and they like Rashad Hill. Now he got toasted the other night by Quiddy Pay on a pass rush that sacked Kirk Cousins. And we know that Rashad Hill is not going to be the next Orlando Pace, but uh, he is a competent left tackle for the most of the time that he's ever been asked to play. So I wasn't sure that a rookie was going to take that job from him anyway. Now what this does, I think, is it might save them from themselves a little bit, that they Mm might have been planning on just throwing him out there to the Wolves anyway, possibly, and then just getting eaten up by like Trey Hendrickson in the first week uh, or J.J. Watt if he's lining up over the edge. And then you go, "Uh oh, now the kid is getting beat and he's got some confidence problems. Now it gives him a little more time to be practicing behind the scenes, not being kind of out in front of the media or out in front uh, in the preseason and having everyone sort of see what he does well and what he doesn't do well, getting that time. And then when he does practice, He'll practice against Everson Griffin now, which I think can really help him with the speed and power issue. So maybe setting that clock back a little, and I'm not saying it's great that he got hurt. It's not a, it's not a zero here. It's a two. Um, the only thing I would wonder about is, is this groin thing going to be a long-term issue? If I, if we had any indication that it would be, I'd give this like a four, like that would be a big deal. But if we think it was just a small problem that needed to get a quick surgery and was fixed, then I would go with a two. And if he plays in the second half of the season, then that's great. And I even think if he doesn't play a lot in the first year, that's not a travesty if he ends up being your swing tackle in the first year. Yeah. The one counter to that, and we're not that far off here is that I would have liked to see him get those reps against like lesser edge rushers in the preseason. Sure. That maybe yeah. if he wasn't fully ready, uh, you could give him even extended playing time under the assumption, hey, we don't need to play him in week one. Let him play like all of the first half and into the third quarter to get 30 or 40 pass blocking snaps 
uh, or maybe even almost an entire game out there and say, hey, okay, he's not ready. Uh, power's giving him some problems. Get two or three preseason games in, so then he would be more ready, um, even if he starts as a swing tackle. So that's why I had it as a three, because I think we didn't see it last year, of course, but in the past to get those exhibition games. And even if a blocker is kind of slated or the coaching staff wants him to be on the field as a starter week one or in somewhere in September, it's good to get those reps, maybe not against a Trey Hendrickson or a JJ Watt in the preseason, get it against some second and third string players to kind of uh, shallow out that learning curve. Once you get to the NFL. Sure. And part of the three, I think for you might be that they were expecting him to play right away and Mm -hmm. you you got an injury here and he can't play right away. And so even if I think maybe that's helpful for him not to get in there, it's not good to not have your preseason. It's not good if Rashad Hill falters and then you have no uh, answer if Rashad Hill cannot hold this thing down on a week to week basis or or no answer for a guy who's been experienced at least a little bit in real live game action. Now it's going to have to go right from practice to to the game. So totally uh, understand the concern there. But I also think that if you draft a guy to fill a position right away, you're always taking your life in your hands anyway. So um, not I, I didn't have super high expectations if he takes half the year or a year. I think that's OK. So let's move on to the next one. Um, one to five. Five is the most regret. One is the least regret not trading up for Justin Fields or drafting Mac Jones with their pick. Five is you've got a ton of regret and one is not nah, cool, man. I'm going to go with, well, it's kind of a two part question and I felt diff- way differently about Justin Fields than I did about Mac Jones. We talked about the long-term Uh, team building idea with this, like to just pick a quarterback in the first round, but we know that they're dedicated to Kirk cousins. I'm going to say a four, because if you're putting in both quarterbacks, if you're saying either trading up for Justin Fields or just picking Mac Jones, where you were selecting in the first round with what they have both shown. And I think Justin Fields has been good. I don't think he's been amazing. I think he's kind of looked like most rookie quarterbacks where he checks it down a lot. He doesn't like what he sees. He takes off with his legs. Stuff that's not super sustainable once you get to the uh, regular season. And Mac Jones has looked really good. I I will say with Mac Jones, the secondaries that he's faced have not been very good. A lot of it has been underneath stuff. Um, But the quarterback position, that is what is going to change your franchise more than anything else. Uh, we both, I think, agreed that the Vikings would have probably been better off just picking a quarterback and even saying, hey, we still have Kirk Cousins under this big contract, but you are our quarterback of the future. Uh, I think long term, Justin Fields has a lot higher upside and can be a better quarterback that can mask uh, team deficiencies more so than Mac Jones. But you're right. I mean, technically, both of those quarterbacks were kind of there for the picking for the Vikings. They could have ascended just a few picks to get Justin Fields or pick Mac Jones, and they ultimately decided to trade back, get a Christian Darasai. It's kind of like easy to pick on this right now because we haven't seen him on the field yet. But I'm giving it a four just because of the quarterback position and its inherent value and what that could have done to this team. Maybe not so much so for 2021, but into the future uh, for this franchise. 
We also haven't seen either of those quarterbacks fail or struggle, or we've only exactly. seen them really in preseason action, um, which is, again, not the greatest indicator. But I think when someone looks like an NFL quarterback, immediately you could say, well, there's something there. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I have covered, especially in the last two weeks, quarterbacks who don't look like anything is there when they're playing, which we'll get to when they're playing uh, in preseason action. I have this as a five. Uh, when you're thinking about the long term for your team, they traded down. They took a player to start right away to, quote, fix their offensive line. That guy is, might not play all year. Who knows? Or he might play the second half and be good and help them. Uh, hard to say at this moment. This is only at this moment. This thing can be taken uh, three years from now, as we said, or six months from now, and it might feel very different. But as of right now, you have a franchise that is just signaling all over the place that they're not locked into Kirk Cousins long term. And if they don't have a good season and new management comes in, new coach, whatever, if they have a bad season, you're probably talking about the it being a type of Detroit situation where you say, okay, well, Matt Stafford's been here a long time. I'm the new GM. I'm going to move him out. And I feel like that's very possible. Um, you know, and, and even if they were great, this is the other thing about drafting the quarterback in the first round. If they are great and they go to the NFC championship game with cousins and they feel like their franchise is just going to roll in the future just trade the guy and get a second round pick back, right? I mean, you can always trade. If Josh Rosen could be as horrible as he was in Arizona and get a second rounder back, you'd get a first rounder probably for Fields or Mac Jones if Kirk was great. To me, it was kind of a no-lose situation at the time. And now having a little peek at both of them, I think, well, and and mostly, even more so than what I've seen from preseason, it's more about what I've seen from this team and how they feel about their quarterback. Yeah, and the one thing with that is that I think we talked about this maybe during the pre-draft process, like around the time when we kind of figured, and it was probably from your intel, that the Vikings weren't going to pick a quarterback, that they were going to go offensive or defensive line, that if Mike Zimmer, if Rick Spielman are kind of operating differently than even myself as a as a uh, nationwide analyst or you as a beat reporter or a fan would think, hey, do whatever you can to try to win a Super Bowl. If they're operating, like, let's just like be above 500 to maybe keep our jobs. Like let's survive in advance. Yeah. Even if that's the case. And that I think is probably most likely. I don't think uh, even Vikings ownership thinks that they're going to go to the NFC title game this year. Even if that's the case, you have a quarterback. Okay. You don't pick uh, Christian Derrissaw in the first round. You go a different route. You pick one in the second or third round. Uh, plug him in. He's obviously not as good of a prospect. Kirk Cousins maybe only wins six or seven games. But I always felt like as Mike Zimmer at the end of the season or Rick Spielman could go to ownership and say, hey, well, we have this quarterback and he and you know we played him in week 16 and week 17 and he actually looked kind of good. Can that be enough to keep our jobs? Like I, I don't get the, uh, hey, let's just keep this boat at around – eight, nine, 10 wins at most. And I mean, I know they've won playoff games with Kirk Cousins, but I think we already saw the ceiling of that. So it's it's more so my score of four here is not that I think two quality games of mostly dinking and dunking from Mac Jones and Justin Fields, mostly scrambling and not really dissecting a defense yet. Like it's not those performances. It's just the quarterback position and more so with fields than Jones, uh, how, if that quarterback is good, 
how that can transform your franchise. I think Christian Derrissaw will be a good left tackle, mm-hmm. and definitely a left tackle can help your offense. But I don't know if Christian Derrissaw takes you from 9 or 10, maybe with this extra game, 11 wins, and maybe a divisional playoff round exit uh, compared to Justin Fields you can win a Super Bowl with in, mm-hmm. in two or three years. That's the difference. A really, really good left tackle can elevate your team a little bit, a quarterback can change your entire franchise for 10 or 15 years. Right. And when you see both fields and Mac Jones even look competent, you say, Mm -hmm. now imagine if you had 20 million more dollars for this Vikings roster, which is already good and has a lot of star talent and has a lot of star talent. That's going to be here in the future, especially Justin Jefferson. Delvin cook is under contract. Irv Smith jr. Is an ascending player. Can you find a left tackle? Like, look, if you have a horrible left tackle, it's an abomination, but they just had Riley reef who they paid some money for and played left tackle at a pretty good level. Uh, That's something that you can replace. There are other tackles in this world. There's not a lot of golden tickets of the quarterback on the rookie contract with a bunch of talent around them. And so when you see them look good, you go, well, that could be really good for those teams. I have one question for you on this topic. It's really important. And and this is something that I've wondered. And it's, I think you're the perfect person to ask. Is there any chance, and I know different team, different organizational setup, different ownership, of course. Do you think that what I just said about like uh, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman being able to keep their jobs if they would were to have had a young quarterback that they could point to and say, hey, look, this guy might be good. Let me work with him. Do you think, and this was mind like mind-blowing to me, that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace kept their jobs. And everyone yeah. is like, okay, yeah. They went eight and eight. They looked completely outclassed against not the greatest Saints team in the first round of the playoffs. They weren't really ever in the game. They were one of the least intimidating playoff teams in recent memory. They got to keep their jobs and then they got to trade up for a quarterback. Is there any chance that that is what the mindset is like, Hey, we're not going to be amazing this year. Maybe if Christian Derrissaw is awesome as a rookie, it can, you know, accentuate Kirk Cousins. We could win maybe double digit games, get into the playoffs. Um, and then even if our ownership says, Hey, we've seen Kirk Cousins, we're, we don't view him as a long-term guy that they could get another swing in the draft at the quarterback spot. Hey everybody, the season is on the way. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I think that this strategy uh, may work for Matt Nagy, and it has worked in other places. And you see even, even like Carolina trading for Sam Darnold, where you're like, are you already under pressure there? And you're trying to yeah. like take a swing at something. Um, and if that fails, then they'll be like, oh, well, it was Darnold's fault because he's a bust. We got to draft somebody else, and that guy's going to be the guy. So, yes, the game is constantly being played of, how do I keep my job in the NFL? I mean, even like Joe Judge, is he going to say if they, you know, win six games this year? Well, it was uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, not my 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 defense was good and our weapons were good. It was just that guy. So we got to draft another guy and keep me as the head coach. Uh, I do think that happens here, though. It's been a long time for Spielman. Sure. It's been a long time for Zimmer. Now, if they had taken the approach of, hey, we're looking at everything long term here. So we're not going to sign Bashad Breeland and Patrick Peterson to one-year contracts. We're going to play young corners and we're going to move on from Harrison Smith, for example, and we're trade him away and get a first round draft pick. Like there was a world where if it was new management, they would have blown out a lot of the stuff that was here and tried to replace it all and drafted a quarterback for the future and done the Alex Smith thing and had him sit for a year and so forth. This team though, I don't think so. I, I think that the way they approached it was we're going to sign all these guys. Zimmer, you better go win with it. And Kirk and Zimmer figure it out with each other because um, your your goal is to win and then you get to stay if you do. That's how, that's my general feeling. Not that the Wilfs have ever come out and said everyone's fired. It's just this has been the feeling around the team. It's time to do something a little bit better than what you've done. Um, peaking with Kirk Cousins as a sixth seed is not what they signed up for. Um, yeah. So I think that that's kind of what where everybody is at with this particular team. In general, though, I agree with your overall sentiment. Um, but now they did still draft quarterback, who we have to talk about next, which is Kellen Mond. So you've given a three to the Darisaw concern and a four, and I and I gave it a five um, to the Mac Jones slash Justin Fields, and I wrote regret three times. Um, <laughs> If you are down on what you've seen from Kellen Mond, go higher. If you are high on what you've seen from Kellen Mond, go lower, which I know is counterintuitive, but that's how it has to work for the game. It's got to be a five. And like we said right before we started recording, watching the film, I was like, can it be really that bad? I mean, I have watched a lot of preseason. I've seen some undrafted free agents slinging sidearm throws into the stands. <laughs> Kellen Mond was missing layup throws that literally I feel like division three quarterbacks would have completed like throws into the flat check downs that were like in the turf or five feet over the wide receivers head. And I didn't understand that. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. If he is, if like it's the lights are too bright for him. I mean, he played in the sec played Alabama a bunch of times. Like I, I don't, and he, by the end of his college career, 
he was a pretty accurate, like want to stay inside the pocket quarterback who had some athleticism. So there was like one good throw on a dig route to a wide receiver, Mitchell, that I remember watching, like, uh, yes. like a, Myron a, Mitchell. Yeah. Myron good Mitchell. UA, UAB, UAB, I think. I think so. Um, yeah. A good throw on a dig route. Beyond that, I mean, to have a completion percentage under 50%, yards per attempt average of 4.1, like you said, that doesn't even look like he is a NFL caliber quarterback. And it's difficult when you use a second round pick on him. Like, of course, I mean, you would think they're not going to cut him, uh, that he is developmental, but I think it's something mental with Kellen Mond because he was not like, if there was one thing that I thought or how he would struggle would be like arm talent or pocket presence, but like he's missing literal layups in the layup line before the game in the preseason. And it's not even just against uh, starters from other teams. So it's got to be a five because not that he needed to come in and look like, oh, this is the Kirk Cousins successor, but just at least complete more than 50% of your passes like in and, and not just check everything down. That one dig route throw was, I think, maybe the only throw really that was on target where he like looked to stretch the field. Everything mm-hmm. else, he's caught the ball and just checked it down immediately. Like he is not right. even trying to read a defense. And I thought by the end of his Texas A&M career, he was pretty patient in the pocket and tried – to fit the ball into those tight windows in Jimbo Fisher's offense. Right. Yeah. We haven't seen much that's been um, promising in practice either. And, you know, that's another part of it for me. Maybe even a bigger part is like when you're playing, you're playing into the fourth quarter, which means you're really not in that competition to be the backup quarterback because they usually only play into the fourth quarter, the QB fours or or threes, fours or fives, depending on how many quarterbacks you have. Um, So that tells us something. Kyle Sloter, I went back and looked at this. Kyle Sloter had a 120 quarterback rating playing in the second half of these preseason games. Like it shouldn't be that. And that guy is not even in the league right now. Like that's, it shouldn't be this hard. Now they don't have great receivers, but no one ever does in the fourth quarter of preseason games. They also don't have good corners either. Um, And in, if you think about the setup, the general setup, when he gets drafted, they don't bring back Sean Mannion. So there's no veteran here. It's just Jake Browning. That is a low bar. It's somebody who's not physically gifted. I think has great character and makeup, but is just not like of the level anywhere close physically to Kellen Mond. And he has never given up the QB two spot. Never even close. I don't think I've seen Kellen Mond since OTA's mini camp and training camp and preseason games take a single rep with the second team, which to me tells you where they think he is at. And then that's been confirmed. Now I, here's my grade though. I'm not going to give it a five. I'm going to give it a three. Here's why. Because I never thought that he would just take the job and run with it and be the guy like in the future. I just, when he was drafted in the third round, my thought was, Well, maybe in some universe, the guy is the one lottery ticket because some some lady in Kansas City always wins it at a gas station, the lottery. But most of us just gave our money away. And so that's how it works with third round draft picks. And so it's like, well, am I a little concerned that he never became or didn't become quickly the backup quarterback you needed right now with Kirk's situation? Uh, Yeah, of course. That's where my three comes from. But I never really set the bar at, oh, yeah, this is your future franchise quarterback. They had a chance to draft that person. They decided not to. So now my thought is, 
Well, we just wait and see on Kellen Mond. He's on a four-year rookie contract, and we'll see if over that time he develops into something. But if they're thinking about the future of their quarterback position, if they were thinking maybe Mond is that guy next year or something, well, then they shouldn't have been thinking that because history tells us it, it's just that doesn't happen. Yeah, especially like not even just third-rounders in general, but third-round quarterbacks like – it's kind of that thought process of like, if you like the quarterback that much, you probably shouldn't have waited until the third round to pick right. him. Like, right. and there, there've been a few third rounders, a few, like you can count on one hand, the amount of third round quarterbacks that have become really, really good quarterbacks. And there's four or five of them. And then there's 400 that have been really bad. I just gave it a five because just to kind of defend myself a little bit um, that I thought Kellen Mond was kind of, the perfect stylistic schematic fit to be that Kirk Cousins backup that to kind of use a comparison on the roster, he's like a more physically gifted version of Jake Browning. Like he can move a little bit better, uh, has more big game experience in college. I know Jake Browning, you know, was in a college football playoff at Washington, but Kellen Mond was a three-year starter, uh, played as a freshman at Texas A&M, advanced, uh, got better as a passer, um, throughout his career and was in a kind of a Viking style offense that Jimbo Fisher for years was getting quarterbacks drafted in the first round because he was running that when they used to call it pro style offense because guys were under center and doing play action, all the ball handling and the footwork. That's what Kellen Mann was operating. I think Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M has certainly evolved a little bit like they're out of the shotgun a lot, they're spread stuff, but to do what the Vikings were going to ask of Kirk Cousins backup. I thought Kellen Mond would at least look more competent than he has. And that's kind of to your point why I went with the highest score possible. Like I wasn't expecting Kellen Mond to come in and look like, man, he should have been a first round pick, but it's been so bad that I'm like, wait a minute, this guy is tailor made for this offense. Just make those easy throws into the flat and off play action when the linebackers suck up, like there's someone over the middle, hit him, and he's missing those throws. And I think I, I am kind of using a little bit of intel from you that we've talked uh, through Twitter direct messages where you're like, in practice, it might even be worse than this. So that's why I give it a five. But you are right. I could maybe even give it a four because the ch it was a roll of the dice picking a quarterback in the third round. But the chances of Kellen Mond becoming like the next Dak Prescott were always very low. Right. I think what you wanted to see from him is just own that QB two job. Feel yes. like if Kirk Cousins got hurt or had to sit out that he would be able to step in. And right now he's just not able to do that. So again, and Jake Browning. Right, right. It's a very low bar. I mean, it's this For is a sure. guy who like had one big year in college, but then the next couple of years threw like 16 touchdowns or something at, in the Pac-12. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's a, again, he's handled everything, I think, really well, uh, Jake Browning. But I mean, as, as you see, when he's out there, it's not someone who you should have trouble as a third round pick with beating out. And yet he's not there yet. We'll see if that changes with the third preseason game. And again, all of these scores, I think I'm going to save so we can circle back on them for another podcast six months from now because everything can change in six months in a year with this. But as of right now, I think you're fair in your score. Okay, Wyatt Davis has spent his entire training camp with the third team playing in the fourth quarter. However, he has 
not looked bad when he's gotten in the game, save for his first rep where he had to learn about the NFL power. And actually today in practice, they had Wyatt Davis take one series with the first team and they had Ole Udo cross train a little bit with tackle. But I thought it was somewhat notable that they had Davis at least take a couple of reps there. I don't know if that's a sign that they were happy with what they saw or just they're planning on cutting Dakota Dozier. So uh, you got to have the guy um, who would actually be the backup step into that spot. But the fact that he is not the starter and uh, has not even been the direct backup throughout training camp. Um, five is concerned. One is not concerned. I'm going to give this a one. I think that's totally fine. It's a third round pick. The Vikings definitely know uh, with when it comes to like day two, like late day two, day three offensive linemen that a lot of them can be really bad and like not even look like NFL caliber players. So if it's taking a Wyatt Davis a little bit longer to secure a starting job as a third round pick, I'm fine with that. I like the fact that when he's been on the field, he's played well, gave up two pressures in that first game. I thought, the second preseason game against the Colts, he looked the part. He he looked like a third stringer beating other third stringers that should be playing with at least the second team. And I think at the outset of an offensive lineman's rookie season as a third round pick, if he's like one of your backups that like if he gets pressed into duty, you feel like he's not going to be a huge liability. Like he will keep the chain at least from completely breaking apart. I think that's fine. And, and, and that's, Wyatt Davis was really good in 2019. He took a step back in 2020. Uh, and I think a lot of that had to do with his lack of power. I think for being kind of a squattier guard, uh, he's pretty athletic. Didn't test through the roof at the Ohio State Pro Day, but athletic, the balance is very good. And again, he admitted that, wow, these guys are really strong. So the fact that his arrow is kind of pointing up and that, you know, based on some other Vikings rookies over the past couple of years and even this draft class, they've been on the field in the fourth quarter and not looked good. So Wyatt Davis looks like that second stringer playing with the third string. And I, I like that from game one to game two, even in that short of a time period, he looked more comfortable and was able to deal with the strength and the power on the inside at right guard. Yeah, I agree with you. And I would go with the two only. He's only getting the two for me because Mike Zimmer made a comment about him needing to lose weight at the beginning of training camp. And now he says that he did and he's at 315. But anytime you hear the weight issue mentioned with anyone sort of sends up a little bit of a red flag. And then this is an offense that wants its guards to get to the second level quickly. I don't know that that is really his thing. Um, uh, but is it a massive worry that a guy hasn't started yet as a third round draft pick when we're in his first training camp? No, it's not. Uh, it, it and, and it sort of speaks to my original point of when you're drafting to fill spots, then this is what you get. Sometimes guys need a little more development when they're not first round picks. I don't think the book is anywhere close to written from him. And I agree with you that against Indy, I was more impressed by how he looked against Indy overall. Um, now, you know, whatever quality of competition, but at least you're not getting steamrolled by backups. And there is room to develop there for Wyatt Davis. This one is, I think, far away from being called. I just wonder when they went after a guy who had a little bit of a knee issue and then they want him to get a little thinner and it doesn't really fit your run system. It's like, is this 
How is this going to work out with him and this particular situation? I don't know, but um, not not panic time in my mind either. No, and then let me ask you, do you think in this last preseason game they're going to give him some run, at least with the second team? Like, yeah. I, I think that that's a normal progression, at least for rookies. Like, maybe, hey, we're not going to throw you to the Wolves like you're talking about Christian Derrissaw before. Like, hey, maybe they didn't want – like, this is saving – his injury is saving the Vikings from themselves and, and throwing a rookie blocker out there. Maybe they were like, Hey, let's start you off in the fourth quarter. If you play well, great. Then hopefully he should get some reps earlier in the game. That's kind of, I, I guess we're going to call it the dress rehearsal. That's what it always used to be. It's the last preseason game. So it's a little different dynamic, but I think he deserves at least some run with the second team. It probably wouldn't hurt to see him against the first team. You're right though about, Wyatt Davis uh, in that I said he was athletic, but he, when I watched him, he was like good across the board. He was not amazing in any area. And I think he looked like he was trending in that direction in 2019, but then in 2020, he was a little stiffer. I don't know. Maybe there was weight issues, uh, not super stiff and immobile, but not really someone I would say, oh, he needs to be in his own blocking scheme. And like the leverage and the power was solid. It wasn't amazing. He wasn't dominating and just straight backing every defensive tackle he faced, but he wasn't a liability in any area too. He kind of felt like a third round pick. So maybe the um, the scheme issues with him that, he, that they want him lighter so he can be a little bit better on the move is why he started, uh, you know, in that third string type of role and was playing in the fourth quarter, but you think he will get some time with the twos in this last preseason game. I feel like I would be surprised and it would be a mistake if they didn't, um, yes. because if they're going to cut Dakota Dozier, then what is the point? And what more would you need to see from Dakota Dozier? The guy's been in the NFL for five, six years. You started him for the entire season last year. There is no point whatsoever to playing him in this game. Uh, even, even if they, I mean, I could see why they'd want Ole Udo to get more run at right guard in preseason because he has not played right guard. And he took, I think, 19 snaps, 15 snaps. It was very few. Um, so I could see where they'd say, let's get you another dozen snaps just to take a look and just so you can feel more comfortable. But play the rest of the game with Wyatt Davis. Some of these guys just need a lot of reps. And I think that if you're very disappointed, really, um, in Davis, then it's probably – from setting the bar too high, assuming that the offensive line was being fixed by this. And I I'm pointing that not at fans, but at the team yeah. and saying like, we spent a lot of the off season saying, shouldn't you maybe just bring in some guy for 3 million bucks. Who's played right guard before. Um, and instead they're moving a tackle to guard. It might be great, but I, it's pretty risky to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were really, you know, making a bet that Davis would be ready right away, but I don't think it's a, uh, a, a massive um, concern for his long-term future that he's not playing right now. One final thing on this, looking at the draft, uh, Wyatt Davis was the pick before Kendrick Green from Illinois who got mm. picked by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. He's a center. He played center at Illinois. He played a little bit of guard. He's been at center all throughout training camp in Pittsburgh. So I understand why the Vikings say, hey, we have our center. We have Garrett Bradbury. We're not picking a center. But there were a lot of teams that viewed Kendrick Green as like one of those center guard converts, and he tested 
through the roof at the Illinois Pro Day. Explosive, great on the run, awesome run blocker, uh, great leverage. Like he, to me, was someone that was pretty NFL ready and had not NFL strength. I don't really think any of these blockers do, but was very close to that. Beyond him, and again, maybe the Vikings said he is a center only. He was a little bit shorter arms. Uh, there wasn't really a guard that would have fit that zone blocking scheme. Ben Cleveland from Georgia went to the Baltimore Ravens. That was an obvious scheme fit because he's a downhill type of blocker. There really wasn't another guard picked until the midway or, or back portions of the fourth round. So I think maybe at that point they're like, hey, we need a guard. No, he's not a perfect scheme fit at number 86 overall, but let's just see what we can get out of him as a rookie. So that's why I have it as a one, because I don't really think, you know, wasn't a great scheme fit, but at number 86 overall, it was worth taking a player at that position. Kendrick Green is a throwback to the draft Sims. That That's what uh, training camp preseason is for, is when you're like, I, I draft simmed that yes, guy. Yes. I remember him. Uh, I don't know what Jalen Darden's up to, but I annoyed you after bringing him up too many times during the draft Sims. Uh, all right, last question is that so far – we have not seen any potential to make impacts this year from anyone past the third round. And even if we dip into the third round, Patrick Jones is not a guy who's going to play. Uh, I would put an asterisk for Kenny Wong Wu looked really, really quick, but he's got an injury right now. Um, and then Amir Smith Marset is going to be their kick and punt returner. I think that's pretty much locked in after what he did the last game. He could play a little bit as a receiver, but he's not refined as a wide receiver. So when we go through the rest of them, Janarius Robinson just got put on IR. That looks like a long-term problem. Uh, Jones hasn't done much, maybe flashed a little in the first game, but also missed some tackles and got called out for not knowing the playbook. So that's not great. Um, and then, you know, past that. So into the sixth round, they just haven't got anybody who's going to impact this year. How much of a concern is that? Five is the most, one is the least. And you can dip into the third round if you want to include Chaz Surratt and Patrick Jones here. So I should say, like, outside of Davis Mond, you can even say really those two as well, but um, to focus more on the back end of the draft. I'm going to say four. Uh, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, Mr. Negative here, but you're right that if you look at this huge draft class, and that was part of the reason why I liked the Vikings draft class beyond the players, like take as many roles at the table as you can get. And this is a team that I think if you erase the draft class, like the roster is not amazing. It's not a 12 or 13 win type of roster. They need some contributions from their rookie class to elevate, even if it is just in insignificant ways, but that can help the pass rush. If you're Janarius Robinson or Patrick Jones or the run game, if you're Wangu, I think the Wangu can be that middle of the season, end of the season guy after there's some injuries or if Alex Madison isn't playing very well. I think uh, he can come in and and be a quality player because, like you said, he is lightning quick and he's not 5'8", 175 pounds. He is rock solid. So it's almost like with him, I think of he's going to be someone that is going to be picked up on a lot of fantasy waiver wires at some point and have a two or a three game stretch where he looks serviceable. But if you're getting contributions from like one of 10 or uh, like one of what, 11 picks that they have 10, 11. I think it was 11 uh, because 11. we didn't, we have a yeah. bet on over under 11 we and did. then it pushed. I think, pushed. was that how yes. it went? So 
that's not very good. And for a team that, again, like they're trying to hold on to this Kirk Cousins era and get the most out of it, if you just look at the roster, don't think about any rookies. And really, at this point, I don't know how you would really pencil in any rookies anywhere. Uh, that's a problem. I, I don't know how this Vikings team can improve enough to keep Mike Zimmer's job and to keep this from out being from not being a big rebuild starting in 2021. Okay, I have it as a four as well. And part of it is not necessarily just even about the particular guys from this year, but almost like a a, a legacy four because they've just had this happen a lot where there's, we'll see if KJ Osborne actually contributes as wide receiver three. That might change my mind here, but they've drafted a lot of players in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round in recent years. And it's hard to pinpoint any. Um, Tyler Conklin is supposed to make an impact this year. He's hurt right now. It's hard to pin. I mean, maybe Oliudo becomes very good and becomes a great find late. But after 2015, you have to get a microscope out to find anyone yes. who's done anything in the late rounds. And, and a lot of that is draft luck for sure, but they mm -hmm. haven't gotten it. And that's the reality. And when we look at this group, it's like, well, who's the guy that's going to step up and be your digs in 2015 that shows up out of nowhere and is very good. And so far, like Cameron Bynum hasn't looked too great as a safety. He's still developing. Chaz Surratt's going to be a special teamer. If he's more than that, it's a problem for you. There's just not a lot of contribution here right away. Now, long-term, we never know who could develop into a key player. But again, like you said, when your roster's thin, you need to have somebody show up and do something you didn't expect uh, in order to fill out the roster. Right now, outside of Kenny Wongwu um, or Amir Smith-Marset as a returner, there isn't much for that either. So do you want to know how you scored? I would love to know. And then we have to keep this in your Google sheet, wherever you're keeping it. And we'll talk about it during the season or midway, like week eight. And then maybe at the end of the season and kind of parse out how everything ultimately played out with the season. Right. Cause it, it could change. Like we said, it could yeah. very much change. This is just how it looks right now on August. What is the day today? 23rd. Um, so let's see. Let me add up quick. That's uh, let's seven, seven, 12, 13, you ended up with a 17, which goes under the yikes, this isn't good, but does not go to you blew this draft. So that's the, <laughs> right. that's where you ended up with. And I ended that's up with how I feel too. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. And I ended up on the border. So I gave it a four. I considered giving it a three. If I had given it a three to not being concerned about the potential past the third round, it would have ended up right on the border of a little concerned and yikes, this isn't good. So I pushed it over to the yikes, this isn't good. Um, that's where we stand right now. And part of this is you traded away that second round pick to for Yannick Ngakwe. That's another thing that sort of might haunt them a little bit, um, even though uh, they ended up trading back in the first and getting some picks back. But still, like when you're relying on those third round picks, this is kind of where you end up with. Now, let me ask one more question, though. How much... Do you think the yikes, this isn't good, affects the Vikings 2021 outcome? A lot. Like I said, I think uh, this is a team that after the draft, you I like the players and the value. Uh, of course, not seeing your first round pick, that's obviously going to have a pretty big effect on your entire draft class and just how it plays uh, or, or the contributions that it's giving to your team. I just think it was a team in the Vikings looking at the roster, knowing the quarterback, and we know who Kirk Cousins is at this point. 
that it needed not just like Christian Derrissaw to play well, but it needed like two or three of these 11 selections to be like, hey, that was a quality pick in the third round. Like Wyatt Davis is starting and he looks really solid or Janarius Robinson uh, is flashing as just a situational pass rusher, something like that. And if at this point, and it is extremely early, we don't want to get too crazy two games into the preseason, but for really no one to be showing any like signs of, you know, with Stefan Diggs, you could almost tell right away. Like with Danell Hunter, even though he was the, oh, he's the developmental guy of all developmental toolsy projects, he looked the part relatively early in his NFL career. To not really see any of that, uh, I think it really hurts their outcome because, again, this is a, a roster that had to sign Patrick Peterson at the tail end of his career and Bashad Breeland after he's bounced around the league. They understand like, hey, we're not as deep as we used to be, especially on defense. We have some star talent on offense, but we need better blocking. We need uh, better receiving outside of the top two. And if this rookie class doesn't really give a lot of productivity, I think that ultimately caps you know, the ceiling for the Vikings at maybe eight or nine or ten wins. Yeah, I, I think that um, when you make draft picks – to fill spots, whether it's starting or backup right away. This is sort of the risk you take with draft luck and with hoping to develop players really quickly. And it could, I, I'm not going to say that it will at this moment because they have a lot of star power and they have key players at, at all their big spots, but it could, it could, if Ole Udo doesn't work out at guard, it could, if Rashad Hill struggles at tackle, it could, if Harrison Smith gets dinged up and you have to play Cam Bynum. And this is what we saw last year where DJ Wanham all of a sudden was starting at defensive end. You just can't create any pressure with a rookie over there trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I think we're in a little bit of the same position. The starters are veterans on defense and mostly offense. So I think that, if there are injuries, it could be that answer. I didn't give you a one to five on that one, but that answer could be a five. If there are injuries, that answer could be a one if it, if there aren't. And I think that sort of encapsulates who the Minnesota Vikings are for this year. Yeah. And back to the draft classes, uh, like you were kind of talking about draft luck and even me being a draft analyst, I'm totally aware that the, there's so much luck that is involved with the draft, but to kind of come full circle about Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer wanting to keep their jobs. They've made 26 draft picks the past two drafts. And even if the Vikings win nine or 10 games this year, and they sneak into the NFC playoffs, losing the first round and they go to the owners and say, look, we're in the playoffs again. We just, you've made 26 picks and the last two draft classes don't look very promising. It, it, it's different if you do have some promising players, if you do still have a Stefan Diggs type of guy, but like you mentioned the, since 2015, the draft classes have gotten a lot, like almost increasingly worse every single season. And it's not just, Oh, we had a small class because we traded two first rounders to get this guy 26 draft picks in two years. But I will say I'll end on a positive note in watching the film. My guy, Troy die, the linebacker from Oregon, (laughs) flash i know you said he was very soft last season he looked decent to me and so did kenny willikas from the 2020 yes class. yep so maybe those could be the guys that are like hey they're they're almost your quasi rookie class like just say okay the rookie years were a wash but maybe they can start to be the young contributors that 
Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman can point to, but 26 draft picks, that would be a pretty big indictment on the whole draft process in Minnesota if like only two of those players are ultimately really, really good. Yeah, they needed a something from Troy Dye, and he got it for him the other night. Kind of a lucky bounce, but he took advantage of it. And I thought he just played better overall. Um, mm-hmm. But I still see him sort of getting confused in coverage, which was supposed to be his thing, and run over in a screen. And so uh, their backup linebacker situation still remains a little bit tenuous. So that's uh, – but, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's what has to happen. You have to get your – your Hunter or your Diggs or your third, your fifth round draft pick, if your roster is going to, uh, with its star talent, push the salary cap all the way up to its edge. And that is, you know, it's a Kirk Cousins thing, but we don't often talk as much about all the other big contracts that they have as well that have had that same effect. So Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports Draft Analyst. Always an epic conversation, and I really enjoy this. This is super fun. I'm glad that you could fill out our uh, How Worried Should You Be About Your Draft survey from the back of the Purple Insider magazine that doesn't exist. Maybe someday. <laughs> when magazines come back, we'll have, we'll, yes. we're, everywhere, we're everywhere else in the world, so um, that'll be great. But, Chris, always great to catch up with you, man. We will do it again soon. All right, man. Thanks a lot.